0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadda. So yes, today is PFF day, and it's just about as bad as you thought. Um, there are some surprising things in here, Kevin Pink King not being one of them. So, oh man, I, I, I said a, a thing on Twitter it was something to the effect of, so let's see if I'm still alone on this island, and then I asked you to fill in the blank. When Kevin King is healthy, he is what? And for the most part, you had a bunch of people who are pretty clearly Kevin King supporters still saying average, which essentially is them giving up a little ground, but saying, okay, I came halfway, now back off. The problem is, I'm not going to, because I could be diplomatic and say, you know what? you at least are stepping off that part where you're saying that he's a lockdown corner because that's that was what the blank was that that's when you were to fill in that blank earlier in the season that was what everybody was saying to me everybody gets so mad he's hurt he's hurt you don't understand he's hurt right now you're talking about a hurt man he's been hurt for two years just wait till he's healthy when he's healthy he's real good well when has he been healthy Well never well then how do you know he's good I mean, the guy's never been good, but you know he's good when he's healthy. Did you see him play against Julio? Yeah, I saw that one game. And that's it's been, I mean, this is year three of me going, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's, he's good sometimes, but I haven't really seen. He's good when he's healthy. So he's been basically healthy all year. So I just wanted people to fill in the blank. When he's healthy, he is what? And the only real responses I saw, aside from... One guy trying his best to make a coherent argument and failing miserably, saying something to the effect of playing cornerback is the hardest position to play, which is completely irrelevant because I'm asking you, com- basically compared to the rest of the cornerbacks, how good is he? Because, I mean, there has to be a top 10 somewhere. There has to be a top 20, a top 30, a top 40, a top 50, a top 60, a top 70. I mean, he's not in any of these categories. Top 80, top 90, I mean, he's he's not in there. So, it's sure, it's hard. Doesn't really answer the question, though. And so, again, I I, I considered being somewhat diplomatic, but just the fact that nobody really came... the the only Again, the only two answers that I got. One is that he's inconsistent, which is what I've been saying, but it doesn't tell the whole story, because everybody's inconsistent. Rodgers is inconsistent. Devontae's inconsistent. Everybody's inconsistent. Or, he's average. Those are basically the only two answers I got. I think maybe one person said he's bad. And I just, you know... It's sort of like, you know, the movie 300, when you got the massive army trying to take over the 300 guys, which in reality I think was probably closer to 3,000, but that's irrelevant. And they, they failed. I mean, they, they, they did, did a pretty good job, but they more or less failed and got annihilated. And then what happened? I mean, the, the, the movie ended, but essentially the rest of the story is the Spartans were like, all right, y'all messed up now, and they went on the offensive. So I mean, I could be cool and just be like, "All right, cool truce." We'll say mediocre, but I just, I just don't want to, so I'm not going to. And actually, the, the, this little diatribe right now is pretty much the, the extent of the argument because, I mean, he's just, he, he's just been one of the worst this year and last year and, and the year before. And I mean, the biggest problem, I think, let's just do this now. The biggest problem is that I've been through this before right? I, I, I was a huge fan of Quentin Rollins. He had a great rookie year, which is something Kevin King can't even say. And I really liked him. Then he had a rough next year, but I was like, well, he's going to bounce back. And he never did. And Demaryius Randall, he was not good at his rookie year. I mean, the, Kevin King is much more like Demaryius Randall than anyone else I can think of. Didn't have a good rookie year, but you know, he's coming. I mean, come on, man. He's first round pick. You know, he's talented. He, he's going to turn the corner. And then he didn't, but he was injured. And I bought into it for like a day. It was literally one day. I said, I'm going all in. This is it. Marius Randall's healthy this year. He's going to just go off. And he was horrible. Just the worst. And I finally just said, you know what? I'm done. I I give. I quit. And so I'm seeing it happen again with Kevin King, another um, Ted Thompson cornerback pick that isn't super panning out. And, And a lot of draft picks don't pan out. So there's nothing really that's a conflict for me here. The guy that Ted Thompson picked isn't panning out, which is like, pff, especially first round picks. That guy hit on like 4% of his first round picks. Fourth round picks, he's at like 75%. First round picks, pshh, Kenny Clark, and that's about it since Aaron Rodgers. Dude does not have a good track record of late first round picks, slash early second round picks. It was his first pick that year, whatever, same difference. And so I'm looking at him like, yep, another miss, but nobody wants to let this one go. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because everybody really liked him in the draft, which I didn't, so I don't have that thing where I was like, I I always wanted him to be a guy or a thing. Maybe it's because some people were on the, you know, you get the TJ Watt folks, and then some people come to the defense, and rightly so, right? I mean, I I liked Brian Burns. They drafted Rashawn Gary. Guess what I did? I jumped off the Brian Burns wagon, jumped on the Rashawn Gary bandwagon, because even though my heart hurts, whatever, I'm going to support the team, support the pick. We're doing this. This is what we're doing, and so you you battle against the Brian Burns folks. That's what I'm doing. Even though that was my team, I was on Brian Burns a year ago. You just tell the fans who are complaining to stop complaining, and now it turns out that the guys that you are battling are right, and so you dig your heels in. Deep. I get it, man. I'm just saying there's nothing here. There's nothing here to to bite into, and I'm just at this point I'm just curious what in the world it is that you're hanging on to. Is it really because he had one good game against Julio Jones that you're freaking out about this guy? Is it because he's tall and fast, because we haven't learned that that measurables have basically literally nothing to do with how good of a football player you are? I just, I don't get it. Why Kevin King? What is it about the guy? I mean, and, and, and really, and everything's kind of on a spectrum, right? I had somebody randomly call me out for saying Baltimore was going to be trash, apparently. I don't remember saying it, but it makes sense because I... They lost all their defensive pieces, which stinks, and Lamar Jackson had not been a very good quarterback, and I didn't think he was going to be a good quarterback. So it makes sense that I would have said, I don't think they're going to be very good. It's a completely random statement. But I also said that Baltimore was the one that kind of like picked p- piqued my interest or whatever, because there's always a team that kind of sneaks into the playoffs that I feel like doesn't belong in the playoffs, and they end up being like the team to watch. And I said Baltimore would be that team. So everything, again, is sort of on a spectrum. On on one end, you're 100% sure. On the other end, you're 100% sure it isn't going to happen. Kevin King is on a line somewhere where there's a potential for him to be a great football player. And then there's my certainty that he'll never be a good football player. And he's not on either end of those extremes, but he's certainly closer to one side. I don't know. I, I don't want this to be a whole thing on Kevin King. I just, look, the bottom line is the guy was the lowest graded player on defense. By far. I mean, it wasn't even close. I think he is ranked like 99th out of 130. Uh, We'll we'll get into the details in a minute. I'm just rambling right now. I'm just wondering, is this just because you bought in and you don't want to lose an argument, so you're just going to keep digging your heels in? Or is there actually something tangible that you really like about Kevin King outside of he had a good game one time? Everybody has good games once in a while. Everybody that plays on a full-time basis. Demarius Randall had good games. Nick Perry had a, a an entire great season. He was bad all the years before that and, and really bad after he got his contract, but that one contract year he was just lights out. So being good at times is not impossible. And the fact that this guy's had maybe two good games this year and one notable good game last or 2 years ago against Julio Jones, I I mean, I, I, I again, I'm just literally curious. If you have any insights on it and, and and a reason why, and I understand maybe it's because I have PFF and I can see it, and if you're not really super paying close attention, you just feel like he hasn't been that bad. He's had a couple bad games, not realizing that it's actually been the other way around. He's been bad most of the time. He's just had a couple games where it's not as blatant, maybe. And I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm going to leave it there, but just just let me know. If you're still big and high on Kevin King, and I'm not talking about occasionally having a good game, because you know what? we got some easy opponents coming up next week. It's entirely possible next week he has a great game. It's entirely possible he has two great games in a row, as long as he's not going up against Terry McLaurin, because he's going to dice everybody up. But I just, why? What is it? Is it like just those, those Packer fans that I'm arguing with that are always on everybody's bandwagon? If that's the case, I'll back off. I don't care. I mean, that's just your thing. I can't do that. I love the Packers. I love being correct just a little bit more. And I refuse to live in fantasy worlds where I just pretend things that aren't true are true. I can't live that life. It makes me a somewhat very uh, a very abrasive person. I occasionally I can keep my mouth shut, but you know, I would be a terrible politician because I just I can't I can't lie. I might be wrong, but I'm I'm going to tell you straight what I think, and that's that's just the way that's going to go. Not much for pandering. It's also why I'll never have a Green Bay Packer on this show. Because I'll ask, and then they'll listen to me trash half the locker room, and they're like, no, this guy's a jerk, and I hate him. So, there you go. Anyways, I also had another musing, because this was not supposed to take this long. But something that really, really made me nervous, and I understand, like, teams have bad days. That doesn't mean they're bad teams. Any of these things. But there's something that does feel a little bit different. I've been trying to put my finger on it. And there was a... Uh, A tweet that came out, quote that came out, something to the effect of, they asked Richard Sherman essentially about the defensive game plan or whatever, and, and basically what they said is they had no fear whatsoever of the passing game. They were trying to stop Aaron Jones. Now that's cool that we have Aaron Jones in this run game that kind of scared them a little bit. The thing that scares me the most about this is this has been the case actually for a very, very long time, that teams do not fear the Packers' passing attack. This has really been the case since whatever it was, 2016 or 15 or whatever, when the Packers were undefeated, they were 6-0. and I've referenced this a million times. Went up against the Denver Broncos, number one offense against the number one defense. The number one defense of the Denver Broncos exposed how you stop the Green Bay Packers passing attack. Since then, the Green Bay Packers had a hard time passing, and nobody feared the pass anymore. And essentially, that's what it was. It was don't play afraid of the Packers because they're kind of a paper dragon. You just play man-to-man because these guys aren't very good. And, and you see a team that was basically... a zone team going up and playing man-to-man. Why? Because I think Matt LaFleur and this scheme is good enough to manipulate zone defenses, but when you're playing man-to-man, you have to have actual good football players that can beat a corner one-on-one. We don't really have that outside of Devontae, but even he wasn't really getting off very much, and Aaron Rodgers had a terrible game. We'll talk about that. He had no ability to get the ball to Devontae Adams, which a lot of it had to do with pressure. I understand all that, but there, there's, there's a bigger underlying problem that defenses from now on are going to look at the Packers and say, listen, just play man because the receivers are no good. Now, the, the other side of this, though, is why would we really expect it to be any different, right? This is a problem we saw in 2018, 2017, 2016, however long. Other than Matt LaFleur coming in and helping to modernize the offense, what else has changed that would lead us to believe that this offense is going to be more scary to a defense? It's the same guys. It's Aaron Rodgers, same quarterback. It's basically the same offensive line with a few tweaks, but Billy Turner hasn't been that big of an upgrade. I mean, it has been sizable insofar as the guys we had at right guard for a while were really bad, but it wasn't always really bad. And er, and Elton Jenkins is doing a really good job at left guard, but basically a similar competition level, similar talent level for the Packers' offensive line. In fact, it might even be a little bit worse because Bakhtiari's having a real down year whatever. It's the same wide receivers. It's a Devontae and a bunch of just blech. I mean, no offense, but it is what it is. And that's another one that, and that that's another one where it's a lot of people were on the, we don't need more wide receivers thing, but it seems like everyone's off that bandwagon and they got off real quick, which again, that's something weird about the Kevin King thing. I don't see everyone sticking around for the wide receivers. Like, ah, oh, no, I'm going to die on this hill. Nobody wants to die on the Kumaro Hill or what? He had a decent game. I don't know. You could die on that hill. How about Lazard? He's been pretty solid ever since. Nobody wants to die on the Lazard hill. Whatever. Point is, defenses are telling us we were wrong about the offense being fine. It's not fine. When you got Richard Sherman looking at Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and the rest of the wide receivers and going, this is not a problem. Aaron Jones, we got to worry about that. Rodgers and Devontae and, and Marquez and Geronimo, nobody's scared of that. They're telling us that. I mean, you want to know what other teams think of the Packers, which means a lot more than my opinion or your opinion or even Matt LaFleur's opinion. Oh, I love my guys. Irrelevant. Defensive coordinators are watching your offense and saying, Aaron Jones, we got to watch out for. Everyone else, (sniffs) don't care. Not scared. And again, we've seen this for years. This is 2018. The only difference is Matt LaFleur is making it a little bit harder to stop this offense Due to the scheming of it and helping to get guys open, this, that, or the other. And if there's, you know, some good blocking, eventually, you know, the, the scheme should work. And the, there are things that kind of help dig things out, right? We saw some really good plays that kind of just keep things moving. Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers just decided that rather than keeping that momentum, I'm just going to haul off and launch the ball 50 yards down the field because I just can't help myself. So there are some upgrades, but there's still the issues from the past, because nothing really has changed. At least insofar as what I'm talking about is the passing game playmakers, tight ends and wide receivers. There hasn't been. And, and, the, and you know, Jace is a guy that I really like. The fact that Jace essentially got knocked down the, what is he now, the fourth tight end? He's, he's like bottom-of-the-barrel tight end. He was inactive. He was a healthy scratch in this game. I mean, that, that's not a good sign. Marquez's snap counts have been dropping every week. Geronimo, whose one redeemable quality is coming up clutch on a third down, dropping a critical pass that hit him in the hands, is a bad sign. Kumaro just vanishing in thin air is not a good sign. It can't just be Rodgers and Devontae, Rodgers and Devontae, Rodgers and Devante. And so, and again, I'm not giving up on the season. There's still some things that they need to work on, and I think the The quality of the effort isn't there, and and we've seen in the past where really it just takes another guy to step up to be that number two, and when that doesn't happen, especially against a quality opponent like the 49ers who have really good corners, maybe that's why it didn't happen, things aren't working, especially when they have a really good pass rush, so Rodgers doesn't have time, and then there's not a lot of guys open, especially when they're playing man coverage, and they're really good man corners. It was kind of just a storm. The bigger issue, though, is... Are the Packers able to overcome that? They, they have a lot of things they didn't have last year that can make them look a lot better. I don't really have a lot of fear about the Giants. I don't have a lot of fear about Washington. I don't think this does anything really to hurt us. I mean, if you look at even the Minnesota Vikings and say, well, see, we've been exposed. I, I think the Packers were exposed insofar as there are certain perfect storms that the Packers can't overcome. If you've got a really good pass rush and you can play tight man coverage we might be in trouble. Minnesota Vikings have some of the worst corners in football. I was just looking at it, and when I looked at Kevin King again, I think he was like 99th, which to be fair, uh, you know, you go back three years ago, we didn't have a single corner in the top 100. The fact that our third highest grade, actually technically fourth, because Shannon Sullivan is is also still up there, our, our fourth highest graded corner is in the top 100 is still much better of a situation than we've been in in the past. But hilariously, Every single one, I think, of the Packers, or excuse me, the Vikings, they, they I shouldn't say that. I think they had three or maybe four corners, including a lot of their starters, were below Kevin King. So, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I would say I'm I'm slightly less than 50% the Packers win because this is a problem. I'm also very concerned about what this does to the locker room, right? It's easy to play when you're kind of riding high. But, you know, Jair's confidence gets shook a little bit. Kevin King's confidence gets shook a little bit. And, yeah, well, maybe you shouldn't say that. Or it wouldn't hurt his feelings. Eh, sorry, that's just not how this works. I'm not going to praise everybody just on the off chance maybe they listen to the show once in a while and I don't want to hurt their feelings because then they play bad. That's just not how this works. But, the, I mean, it, it's you get what I'm saying, though, right? It's not about just good or bad. It's also about matchup. There are certain things that the Packers struggle with. And I think when you look at the Vikings, they do have a good pass rush. It's not as good. And they have terrible corners. They have good safeties and, and one really good linebacker, which is, is a problem because that encompasses coverage. But the ability to get guys like Devontae as well as the other wide receivers involved in tight ends and running backs in the passing game, that kind of becomes a, a real possibility. So it's not just a matter of ranking 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and somebody's a 3, therefore we're a 9 and we can't beat them. That's not, it's, it's matchup stuff. For example, I don't think the Patriots or the Packers are going to be able to beat the 49ers very many times. Uh, I think the Packers would probably have a hard time with the Chargers again if that happened because it's a similar situation. I think the Packers would just absolutely... I mean, I hate saying it. I think they would get annihilated by the Patriots because that defense is just unbelievable. And they, they don't have as good a pass rushers, which maybe would help a little bit. Roger, give Rodgers a little bit more time. Maybe you can get Devontae going to kind of shake and bake somebody. You know, again, it's, it's matchups. But what we need to do is look at the situation and say, OK, we can't overcome teams like the 49ers because X therefore we need to do why we need a slot receiver we need i don't know a better tight end maybe and somebody had said on on twitter something to the effect of this really shows why we need a slot receiver and i think that's true somebody that can work the you know as as i say very often work the belly right not everything needs to be a headshot or a 20 yard pass I think some of the best teams in footballs are the ones in football are the ones that that work the short to intermediate. You know, the Patriots. It's all dink and dunk and dink and dunk and dink and dunk, and they just frustrate you all the way down the field. Every time, I mean, it's literally the the most boring team to watch in football because they do the same thing. I, I turn on a Patriots game, and what do you see? A slant to Julian Edelman. I, I swear, seventy percent of their pass of their plays are slants to Julian Edelman. It's like the same play over and 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 nobody knows how to stop it. It's the same thing over and over and over and over and over. It's the most boring offense in football. And the guys open every single time. And so again, so negative would be the fact that it seems like teams have kind of figured out how to beat the Packers. The the positive is first of all, not everyone can do what the 49ers can do. And second of all, we have something that's identifiable. We struggle with these specific things. Specifically, and this has been a problem since, again, for for many, 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 many years, press man coverage. Guys that can't shake tight coverage. And so what we need, I think, are really good route runners. Especially slot guys that can just release really, really quickly and can just get off. Or, for that matter, tight ends, I guess. But the fact that we have so many guys that just struggle when, when you have... Really good corners that can just kinda of hang with you. And Rogers just panics and just wants to key in on Devontae because he doesn't trust anyone else to get open, and he's probably right. Anyways, we gotta take a break or we're never gonna get to the grades. Let's take our first break and um we'll just unveil the uh the grossness. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're gonna get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So one of the cool things about having such a big Packers community is that there's people all over the country, all over the world, that are, you know, in the Packernet group and, and whatever. And I've already seen somebody in the Facebook group saying, who's going to be at this New York Giants game in New York? And there were already responses saying, me, which is just awesome. Because I wouldn't expect that to be the case. But there's, there's literally Packer fans representing at just about every single one of these away games and obviously at the home games. So if you live in the New York area, or if you just want to take a sweet vacation out to the big city, which I never really wanted to do. But I've actually been hooked on those, <laughs> those dumb Dave Portnoy One Bite Everybody Knows the Rules videos. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm a food freak, so something about it is like, dude, I, I want that life. You want to know why I want you to donate to me on Patreon? So I can be a guy that, that does these podcasts and then travels the country and, and eats like burgers and gives reviews. Either way, that's the one reason I really want to go to New York, because I want to try that pizza, man. It's supposed to be good. I'm guessing it's trash. They just don't know good pizza, which is Chicago style. But if you're like me, but you have the actual ability to, because you have more money than I do, maybe you're single, and you can afford to just get on a plane, fly in there, and by the way, if you're going to do this, you better like send me a message or put it in the Facebook group and be like, dude, Packernet podcast, pizza review time, and let us know how the pizza is, and then also give us a bunch of pictures of the game and whatnot. I mean, I'm, I'm counting on you, man. I, I want to live through you guys. I can't do these things. I sit here in my basement, talk about the Packers in my broken computer chair. I live to live through you and your experiences. I'm, I'm counting on you. So if you're willing to do it, if you're willing to take that plunge for me and for the family, for the Packernet Podcast family, pull out your phone. Bring up that sweet, sweet Vivid Seats app. Find you just the perfect seats. And when you're ready to buy those sweet, sweet tickets... If you're a new user, remember to enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100, which is going to be perfect, because it'll help you buy that good old slice of pizza. And I'm dead serious about those videos. I want it. Go get pizza, and I want to watch you eat it. <laughs> oh, I'm a weird person. All right, so what I want to do, I want to end with defense, because, let me check the time. I got a lot of time. We'll be all right. That rant didn't take as long as I thought. I mean, real time. Sometimes I hit pause so many times 20 minutes takes an hour and a half. That only took about a half hour. Um, I want to do special teams and offense first because I want to end on a positive note. Because at at some point we need to transition. So this will be hopefully my last day of complaining, and then hopefully we as a group, and maybe I can help usher this. We really start to turn the corner and be like, all right, boom, time to be positive. Look at the bright side. Figure this out. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. So th- this is this is what we're gonna do. This is our last look at negativity. Now shockingly didn't expect this special teams nothing was now understand i'm not talking about kickers i know jk scott had a terrible thing we're not there yet this is just guys who are doing the blocking and tackling nobody was really that bad there was there was a lot of below average but nobody was 40s 30s 20s whatever danny vitali was the lowest at 57.7 which is pretty average on the other hand, there was one guy that was graded out as good, and that's Robert Tanyan. One guy graded out as very good, and that's Josh Jackson, which is awesome because I still like Josh Jackson, despite the fact that he's probably not going to be on the team next year, and rightly so. So props to Josh Jackson, who had actually had two tackles in that uh, that little game. There's only three special teams tackles in the entire game. Josh Jackson had two of them. Let's take a look at our kick returners. <laughs> this is, I don't know, man. How You know how much money I would have lost if somebody would have bet me if this, this year would have been worse as far as special teams? A lot. A lot of money. Negative 11 yards on the season and punts. It just, I, I don't know why anybody kicks the ball into the end zone. They should try to kick it to the 1 every time because this guy has no ability. And I don't know if it's his fault necessarily. I mean, some of it's partly his fault, obviously. Or if it's the blocking or what. But the fact that the special teams unit is... is Arguably, I'll say worse than last year, and seemingly imploding, getting worse every week, is just baffling to me. I expect to have a new special teams coordinator next year. That is absolutely my expectation. I know we were real hard after that uh, guy out of Miami. I don't know where. I don't remember where he ended up. But let's see if we can entice him to come on back. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we got to do. But this needs to get fixed because it's just the worst. By the way, I had mentioned, not trying to gloat, but I had mentioned about trevor davis that i didn't mind having a guy like trevor davis and how good he was i understand he's not a good wide receiver but i i even said when i did my 53 i'm fine just creating a separate roster spot that's just kick return punt returner in other words get rid of his wide receiver designation and just make him the kicker kick return slash punt return guy and i also said it's one of those things that nobody cares about until it's really bad similar to kicker and punter and all that stuff nobody wants to spend a draft pick Because it's not that important of a position, but then when you have a really bad one, you realize, uh, we should have just spent like a first-round pick on this, because this is just the worst feeling ever. And I know J.K.'s been having a real rough go of it, which kind of runs against my point, but still, you start to understand how important it is when you're trying to punt, and it's a bad punt, and they start on the 50, and it's like, this is the most important position in football. Feels like it at the moment. Speaking of, not surprisingly, Mr. J.K. Scott had a negative grade again. Um, let's see, yards per attempt, 37.2, which is really bad considering, you know, usually when I, I've always said punting stats are garbage because there's so many variables that the, the raw numbers don't mean anything, but the fact that we were kicking from like our own 20 every time means 37.2 is garbage. We could have used one of those awesome 60-yard kicks with five seconds of hang time, but that just hasn't been the case in quite a while. I would say since week eight, J.K. Scott has been kind of terrible. Now, his grades have been variable. So he had a good grade in Week 9 against the Chargers. But just looking at numbers, uh, the last time he had a kick, let's see, he had a 52-yarder in Week 9, which maybe that's why he had a good grade there. But let's say over 55 yards was in Week 7. The last time his net yards were over even 40 was Week 6 when it was 51.7. The last time he had hang time over 4.5 seconds was Week 7 against Oakland. Um, He's had yards per attempt in the 30s for 4 weeks in a row, 35 37 35 37. His longest the last 4 weeks 43 52 41 41. Hang time 411 448 415 419. And again, it it depends on the circumstances. Sometimes you're you're banging line drive kicks, so your hang time isn't as high. Sometimes you're, you know, at your own 45 or 50 so you want to kick it straight up in the air, but it doesn't go quite as far. But, you know, I mean again, when you're kicking from your own twenty, you just kick the ever loving dust out of that thing. And he just hasn't been doing it. So it's been I mean, based on just the grades, it's been two weeks in a row, which is fair to say the last two weeks have been real bad. Week nine against the Chargers again he had a pretty good grade. He did have a fifty two yard kick and four four eight isn't the worst hang time. But just looking at it, I mean, this guy who's notorious for five yards or five second hang time. Kicking 4 5 and 4 9 for hang time the last two weeks, that alone is just not good enough. And his longest both weeks, 41 yards. So 41 yards and about 4-15, 4 for hang time has been the last two weeks. That's just, come on, man. Come on, man. Um, but anyways, that's, that's special teams, so not good. Offense, um, he, here's the situation. I don't think I've ever seen the offense this bad. That includes even last year. There was not one player, not one, that had a good grade. The highest grade of the entire offense was a 66.8. That was Devontae Adams. That was the highest. So there has to be some element beyond, I mean, nobody stepped up. There has to be some kind of a mental component or something similar to the Chargers game where something deeper is going on. Devontae didn't even win. So you look at it and you say, okay, well, Maybe Aaron Rodgers didn't have time to throw because the offensive line was so bad, and and if there was more time, Devontae could have done. No, Devontae wasn't getting open, as evidenced by the fact that, number one, you didn't see him open because he didn't get open. And by two, looking at his grade, he just wasn't getting the job done. I mean, it wasn't terrible. He must have gotten open a couple times, done deep, but it was, was, I don't know, what, 50-50? He had an average grade. It was his third lowest game of the season. Week 9 against the Chargers and Week 1 against Chicago were two worst games. So it's it's not his worst game ever, but he just happened to have a bad day on the same day as the entire offense had a bad day. So I, mean, I don't know if it's because it's a rhythm offense and defenses are just getting the offense out of their rhythm and that just throws everybody off or what, but this is, this is bad when, again, the entire offense, not one person had a good grade. Not one elite, not one very good, not one good average is as good as it got. The other really telling thing that made me realize how bad this was, we all saw how bad the offensive line was. They were some of the highest graded players on this offense. To give you an idea of how bad everybody else was, Elton Jenkins was the second highest graded player. David Bakhtiari was the third highest graded player. Billy Turner was the fourth highest graded player. Brian Balaga was the sixth highest graded player. Alex Light, eighth highest graded player. Aaron Jones and Jay Kumero were the only two that were mixed in, along with Devontae obviously being number one. Other very relevant factors, probably the most relevant. Well, I'll, I'll save that for last because it's probably the most uh, important. The, not including the lowest graded player, the next three lowest graded players were all tight ends. So out of 19 players, our 16th, 17th, and 18th highest graded players, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanya, and Jimmy Graham. The tight end play has been really, really terrible, and it's becoming a very serious problem. We need to fix the tight end position. Jimmy Graham is not fixing this. Robert Tanya is not fixing this. Mercedes Lewis is not fixing this. Jace Sternberger, they're not even putting on the field. I'm not saying get rid of Jace, we'll see if we can develop Jace, but we need a solution immediately to fix this problem I don't know. I don't know what else there is. Marquez was really bad again. Alan Lazard had a bad day. Geronimo Allison had a bad day. So the wide receivers, and again, Jay Kumorow and Devonte Adams were high in terms of being the first and fifth highest graded players, but both of them were just average overall, which is not very good. So the tight ends were terrible, and th- this is this is normal. Seeing the tight ends all bunched up at the bottom is a pretty normal story with the occasional, you know, somebody's had a decent game, Jimmy had an okay game, Mercedes was a good blocker in this game, whatever. This is still very typical to see them bunched up at the bottom. The, the biggest and most telling thing here is the fact that the 19th highest graded player or the lowest graded player, would be the more normal way to say that, was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was the lowest graded player, and I don't think I've ever seen that before. I've never seen him as the lowest graded player on the offense In other words, and understand, PFF looked at Aaron Rodgers last year and said that wasn't his fault. They graded him, I think, as elite last year or very close to it. So they were clearly looking at it and blaming the wide receivers, offensive line, whatever. They were looking at this game and saying, nope, this was Aaron Rodgers' fault. He played like garbage. And so I looked at it and I said, I want to know how many times he's had a game this bad. Since he's taken over as a starter for the Green Bay Packers, zero games he's ever played this bad. This is the worst game Aaron Rodgers has ever played, according to PFF and their grading scale, ever since he took over. There's only one game where he had a lower grade, where he played half a game in 2006. It was the second time he ever took the field as a NFL starter. Week 11 against the Patriots, Brett Favre played half the game, he played half the game. He was like 4 of 12 for like 40 yards or something. Actually, I don't even think it was. I think it was like 4 of 12 for 12 yards because he had like 3 yards per attempt or something. So there's there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of problems here. And part of me is too scared to even look back and see because, you know, as I said, everybody has bad days. What is the worst game you think Drew Brees or Tom Brady has had? I didn't look and I don't want to look, but this needs to not happen. Everybody outside of, of Packers fandom is basically in agreement that Aaron Rodgers isn't what he was. And myself, along with the rest of us, have been diligently defending Aaron Rodgers. And again, one game isn't the be-all end-all, but I need Aaron Rodgers to make my job a little bit easier in defending that he is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and being one of the lowest-graded quarterbacks this entire week. In fact, let's look at it. He was the third lowest-rated quarterback only ahead of Brandon Allen, uh, Ryan Finley, and Mike Glennon. Those are the only quarterbacks that played worse than Aaron Rodgers, and Mike Lennon only played seven snaps. Of the starters, Ryan Finley, who is now being benched, and Brandon Allen, who I did not even know was starting for the Denver Broncos. Matt Schaub played better for the Atlanta Falcons. Jeff Driscoll for the Detroit Lions. Carson Wentz, who played, uh, everybody was making fun of him for playing the worst, I mean, literally everybody on Twitter saying this is the worst game I've ever seen Carson Wentz play. Mason Rudolph, who got benched, was higher. Uh, Mitch Trubisky actually had a, a good week. He was in the 70s, so he had his you know first good game in a long time. I mean, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound. I just want you to understand how bad this is. Let me put this to you in another way. Mitch Trubisky has never has not been graded that low all year. Mitchell, Trubisky's lowest ga- graded game, 414 Aaron Rodgers in this game, 37.9. In fact, I just look back over three years, Mitchell Trubisky has never been graded that low. That would be what you would call completely and wildly unacceptable from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look, look. If if we're going to sit here and trash everybody else for not showing up, right? Unacceptable. You go out to the West Coast and you're not showing up and you're not doing your best. Ba- Aaron Rodgers put up the most unacceptable game anybody could put up. Sitting here talking about Corey Lindsley and Kevin King and guys just not doing their job. I, 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 I can't even quantify how, how pathetic that is. Mitchell Trubisky's never had a game this bad. And again, we can sit here and talk about how well PFFs, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Whatever. I don't know how I could put that in, in more harsh terms than to say Mitch Trubisky's never had a game that bad. And I, and I will say, when things go bad, they tend to go real bad. And Aaron Rodgers seems to be the key here. When when the, when the offense isn't in rhythm, Aaron Rodgers tends to shut down. And, we, and look, it would help if there were other wide receivers that were open and all this stuff, and maybe it's their fault because they're not running the right routes and they're not where they're supposed to be and they're making Aaron Rodgers look bad. I don't know. All I know is I never, ever, 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 I don't care what defense we're going up against, I don't ever want to see that again. The Packers have played unbelievable defenses. They've played the Legion of Boom more than once. They've played some great Bear defenses, some great Viking defenses, some great Seattle defenses, great Patriot defenses, 49ers. De- just across the board, some of the best defenses we've seen in our lifetime. The Packers have gone toe-to-toe with them. And yeah, they usually lose those games, but Aaron Rodgers has never played that bad. Again, if you want to argue it, fine. Maybe there's been one or two because PFF isn't perfect. I, I just, I-, I don't know, man. If we need guys to show up, if we need guys that we can depend on when the chips are down... I think the number one on that list should be Aaron Rodgers, and coming off a bye week in one of the most crucial games this year, to have Aaron Rodgers as the lowest graded player on offense, and I think fourth lowest graded player because there were three defensive players that graded lower, which is really, I mean, I said I was going to save the best for last, but defense is really bad and and disappointing, but, you know, again, with that, I don't know, man, I'm I'm just not, not happy right now. It's such a defeating feeling, you know? There, there's certain guys you just want to be able to depend on to be able to step up in crucial games. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers is, is number one, and now I'm looking at the defense as another guy we want to step up who graded lower than Aaron Rodgers, and it just, I don't know, makes you feel sick. I mean, the the hope of winning a Super Bowl is that at clutch, po- at, at clutch moments, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the guy. Maybe Marquez doesn't show up. Maybe, actually, Corey Lindsay, I said the offensive line graded really high. I forgot Corey Lindsay, he was very low as is understandable but you you know you expect some guys to have bad days sometimes even Aaron Rodgers you expect to have some bad days sometimes but again in critical moments like this at worst I would expect him to be average not not to be the anchor he was the anchor in this whole thing he was the biggest problem and by a lot Jimmy Graham was the second lowest graded player on offense 47.3 Aaron Rodgers 37.9 it wasn't even close it's, it's, I don't know, man. I, whatever. You know, again, what I what I really don't want is for there to be some kind of a funk going on. And when your leader is the one at the bottom, it just scares me that this is going to start rubbing off. So I'm hoping that the locker room is going to stay on top of stuff and that they're still super hyped up and motivated, and you come out and you just destroy the Giants, and you're even more motivated. You come back home. You got the home field environment, and everything's jacked up and then you destroy the Washington Redskins and you're high on the hog and you're feeling good and you've learned some stuff and you've created some new things and everything's rolling and you're able to beat the Vikings and boom we're off and running but there's a lot about this game that is kind of scary Richard Sherman saying we're not scared of of the their ability to throw the ball which means they weren't even trying to play pass defense they were trying to play run defense and they still made Aaron Rodgers had Aaron Rodgers play his worst game ever it's just it's slightly concerning no, we're not trading Rogers. No, I'm not saying he's the problem with the team. I'm just saying this is not what you want to happen. Very straightforward statement. No need to dig in or create any further narrative than that. That's just this is not this is not good. Anyways, uh, some of the specifics. Looking at, for example, now well, let's let's do the other thing here. Do it kind of quickly. Pass blocking, um, actually better than you would expect. So some of them really bad. Billy Turner once again was the lowest graded pass blocker. Getting kind of used to that at this point. Uh, He gave up a hit in two hurries, three total pressures, which was the second most of the day. Bakhtiari had the most, but he also had the hardest matchup. Um, Alex Light was graded above him. He had a uh, below average pass blocking grade, gave up two hurries. Corey Lindsley had the, uh, also below average, only gave up one hurry, but, you know, as far as the run game and everything else, he just, he wasn't doing a good job. Typically with statistics, how it works is the more interior you are, the less numbers you give up. Right, So a lot of the pressures and sacks do not come from the center. A uh, little bit more from the guards, and then the tackles are the ones that generally give up the most of everything. So the grades and the stats don't usually line up. So it's, you know, Corey Lindsley typically is not going to give up a lot of pressures, hits, and hurries, but his grades could vary. Whatever. Does that kind of make sense? Whatever. Um, good pass-blocking grades, Robert Tanyan uh, going from least good to most good. Robert Tanyan, then David Bakhtiari. He gave up six hurries, but no hits or sacks. Um, Then Mercedes Lewis, then Brian Balaga, who didn't give up any hits, hurries, or sacks. We really need that guy back. Then Jamal Williams, only two snaps as a pass blocker, but he did his job. Then Aaron Jones, four snaps as a pass blocker, did a very good job. Didn't give up a single sack, hit, or hurry. And the highest-graded guy, once again, thank you, Brian Gutekunst, for drafting Elton Jenkins. 52 snaps as a pass blocker, zero sacks, zero hits, one hurry, and one penalty. He had a very good pass-blocking grade. He was the only one that had a very good grade. Run-blocking Geronimo Allison, who had 15 snaps as a run-blocker, graded as elite. Again, this is not a minor thing. We, Matt LaFleur asks the wide receivers to run-block, and we've had some wide receivers do really good jobs. Geronimo killed it as a run-blocker. Jay Kumaro also had an elite run-blocking grade. Unfortunately, that's as good as it gets. David Bakhtiari was our highest-graded offensive lineman run-blocker he was average. Billy Turner, second highest grade, average. After that, you got wide receiver, wide receiver, um, just a bunch of nothing. Then you get down into the below average, you had Danny Vitale, Vitale, um, Elton Jenkins below average, Mercedes below average, Brian Balaga below average, Alex Light below average, Robert Tanyan below average, Jimmy Graham below average, Corey Lindsley below average, Alan Lazard, abysmal. He was really just the worst. He had 15 snaps, just like the other wide receivers, and it was just, just, I don't know, about as bad as it gets. So that's about it. Sometimes they go a little bit more in-depth, but, I mean, you, you know what the statistics are. You can look up the stats. Um, obviously, this is taking a very long time, so we're going to take a break, and we'll look at the defense, the the really, really bad, and also some of the really, really good. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right. So like I said, I want to start with the worst. Get this out of the way so that starting tomorrow, hopefully we can start getting a little bit more positive. Look to the future, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I've already talked about Kevin King. I'm not going to continue to go on a diatribe. He was the lowest graded player entirely because of his coverage grade. He had a 29.1 coverage grade. Again, Aaron Rodgers had the worst grade of his career, was at 37. Kevin King had a 29.1 coverage grade. The next lowest grade was Blake Martinez, 51.8, which is not good. That's that's a bad grade. But just to put into perspective how bad Kevin King was, 29.1. Now, On the positive side, and Kevin King has been relatively good at this, I've talked about how the corners and the safeties, not really the safeties, but a lot of our DBs have been really, really terrible at tackling and run defense, particularly Jair has been really bad at that. Darnell has really struggled with that. Kevin King has been on point. He was, I believe, the second highest graded run defender and I believe the highest graded tackler on the team. So a little bit of a positive spin there, but the, the coverage was just terrible. Now only four targets... But all four of those were caught. So four targets, four receptions, for 106 yards. The second highest given up was 72 yards by Blake Martinez, who gave up six receptions. Um, so four targets, four receptions, 106 yards, 158.3 passer rating when targeted. So just not good. And, and for a grade to be this low, I don't even know if... What, what was the lowest grade he had this year? So this is the second lowest grade he's had... Week 6 against Detroit, 28.6 with a 27.9 coverage grade. So this is the second lowest he's had. And looking at this, so again, this is beyond just statistics, right? They're they're grading each and every one of these snaps. So a lot of times we look at some of the statistics and say, see, it wasn't that bad. But they're looking at every single one of these snaps. So, for example, he gave up uh, five receptions for 123 yards in Week 3 against Denver. His coverage grade wasn't this low. So on a snap-to-snap basis, this was just entirely inept. He couldn't do a single thing. Now, again, he has had good games this year, which is unusual for Kevin King. It's a a positive development. The problem is when he's bad, he's really, really bad, and he's bad more often than not. So he's had two games that were really, really good. He had, as far as coverage goes at least, an elite grade against Philly in Week 4. That's awesome. A very good coverage grade, only 70 overall because his run defense and tackling were terrible in that game. But 82.7 in coverage in Week 7. He's had three good games, so that's 5 out of, what, 11? It's not bad, that's 50%. So somebody had made the comment that he's like Russian roulette in a jersey or something, and I almost made the snarky comment that, yeah, it'd be like Russian roulette with three bullets, because that's what we're dealing with. So there, there's five games. Then he had one game that was average in coverage, so... <laughs> Out of eleven games, five that were good, one that's average. Then he had two that were so fifty is below average, forties are bad, he had two that were bad, one that was horrible in the thirties, and then two in the twenties, which is just beyond abysmal. It's like the opposite of elite. Um, anyways, the other there were there were two other guys, nobody was else was in the twenties, but two guys were in the thirties. One is Kingsley Kiki, which is upsetting because I was hopeful he was one of the, he was doing well against the run. He had a terrible run defense grade. The third lowest, and this is what made me sick to my stomach because, again, there's certain core guys that you want to have good grades. Kenny Clark, 37.3 overall grade. I just don't get it, man. I just don't understand. What, what, what's, what's going on with Kenny Clark? And, yeah, by far his lowest graded game this season. Even in a down year, this is his lowest graded game. And, yes, this is his worst grade ever. He had one game that was close, he played 13 snaps against Chicago. Had a 38.5 overall grade. Um, that was his rookie year when he was just starting to get some snaps. I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I just I don't know what's going on with Kenny. I mean, it, he's he's having a year similar to Kevin King. He, I mean, it's almost identical actually. He's had one elite game, one game in the 80s. He's got one, two, three. He's got one good and then one, two, three average, and then that. So that's half the year. Which would average or better, then he's got three below average, one bad in the forties, and one terrible in the thirties. That's just I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say to that. It's a contract year, and he's giving the Packers every reason to rethink giving him an extension. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm not giving this guy a twenty million dollar a year contract or seventeen or whatever they were planning on. And it's, I mean, holy cow! I thought for sure we were going to be giving him a contract before the season. Are they? glad they didn't give him the money now this has now become a wait and see situation with Kenny Clark so they've got that fifth year option with Kenny Clark in 2020 where it's gonna cost us seven point7 million dollars basically I think we just ride that out just pay him his seven point seven and see how he does next year hoping that he does really really well and that we have to pay him a massive contract I mean I understand the idea that well why don't we just kind of use this as a negotiating tactic pay him thirteen or what whatever, which he probably wouldn't accept anyways, but you know, try to lowball because he had a bad year. I don't know. I, I want to see like how dire this is. Like is he ever gonna bounce back? I'm fine paying him. Let's pay him a lot of money. I just want old Kenny Clark back. I'd rather pay him the money and have him than lowball a guy that's a mediocre defensive tackle. I don't want that. Let's get another defensive tackle, get some help next to Kenny, get a dominant defensive line, get Kenny Clark back to being a dominant player and pay him a ton of money. I'm I'm all for that. But, I mean, it's just it's, it makes you sick a little bit to see him just have such a bad year. And, again, on, on, on a day that's super important, when you're counting on your core guys, you have Aaron Rodgers and Kenny Clark have the worst games of their entire careers. That's sickening, man. Um, the defense as a whole also did not play very well. Only three players had good grades. Um, and really, to be more specific, one had a good grade, two had very good days. The highest-graded player, shockingly, and I'm very happy to see this because it's somebody that we really need to step up. Highest-graded player was Dean Lowry, unfortunately. He didn't have any help from the guy next to him, Kenny Clark, but need Dean to hang in there because this guy is another one that's up and down and up and down, right? We trash him because one day he has a terrible and it's weak, and it's like, we paid you all this money, where are you? And then he comes back and he's like, hey, I'm good again. It's like, oh, there he is, and then he disappears for a while. Hang in there, big dog. By the way, he did 27 snaps. How do we pay a guy that much money and he's taking half snaps? <laughs> Whatever. The other very good player, not surprisingly at all, is Darius Smith. Darius has been unbelievably steady, especially down the stretch. He had a little bit of a, a rough patch. So he started off Minnesota and Chicago really, really high. And then uh, week three, four, and five were not good. Right? So he was average against Denver. 43.6 was as great against Philly, which was really bad, which probably, to be completely honest, you know, Philly's kind of this weird outlier. Not having Zadarius there to really bring that extra pressure, I mean, how? Pit- <laughs> here's another really scary thought. How bad are the Packers right now with, without Preston and Zedarius? I mean, it's a repeat of 2018, if you're asking me. I really believe that. I think you take Preston and Zedarius out of this equation, with Kenny Clark going backwards and no real upgrades on offense, I think we're looking at 2018 all over again, and again, Look at Philadelphia. Zadarius had very little impact in that game. Zero sacks, only two pressures. Horrible tackling grade. No ability to stop the run. No real pass rush, and we lost the game. But then against Dallas, he was average. Since then, though, he's been clutch since week six in Detroit. Lowest grade he's had was in Detroit, 70.7. He had three pressures and a sack in that game, which was his, I don't know, relatively lowest performance. So since then, We're looking at Detroit now, three pressures, one sack, two hurries. The next week, he had four pressures. The week after that, three pressures, two sacks, and a hit. Um, The next week after that, he had five total pressures, one sack, one hit, three hurries. Week 10 against Carolina, 12 pressures, no sacks, but 12 pressures, three hits, and nine hurries. And then this past week, five pressures, which is a really big number, two sacks, one hit, two hurries. I mean he's just I mean he's been the best player on this team without any doubt. I don't know that he's the highest graded, he's up there, but it it really I mean it, it's basically between him and Devonte, I think. You know, Aaron Rodgers is kind of up there, but after this game it's like yuck. Zedarius so Darius is just I, I I can't say enough good things about what he has become and what he's doing for this team. It's just frustrating that you got guys like Aaron kind of just falling off. You got Kenny Clark just falling off. You got Kenny Clark, who's supposed to be helping with that pass rush. I mean, if if he's staying where he is, and you got Preston in there doing his thing, which by the way, the one guy with a good grade was Preston Smith. Um, I mean, this would be just a dominant force up front. But unfortunately, we have a team that does not have defensive tackles. I, I don't I don't know how else to say it. So, anyways, guess going through a few of the specifics quickly. Run defense. Um, Preston Smith and Kevin King had good grades. Dean Lowry had a very good grade. Guys that were bad, Kenny Clark in the 40s, Jair was bad. Kingsley Kiki was bad. Darnell Savage was just terrible. Tackling, I mentioned Kevin King was on top. Also, some solid grades. A lot of, and this is something that's been improving. B.J. Goodson, Zadarius, Preston, Tremont, Ibrahim Campbell, Kenny Clark all had good tackling grades. And then Dean Lowry and Kyler Fackrell were basically good. Uh, the guys, let's see, Adrian Amos was below average, Shandon Sullivan below average, Blake Martinez was really bad, Darnell Savage was really bad, and Jair was terrible. Jair has been probably the worst tackler on this team all year. Uh, pressures, Blake Martinez obviously was really high, but he only had three, and he got a sack on one of them, so obviously you're going to have a high grade on that. Zedarius was good, and Adrian Amos was good. Everybody else was pretty average to below average. Kenny Clark was actually the lowest. He had one pressure on 26 attempts. And then coverage, it wasn't all bad. Obviously, Kevin King was really terrible. But other than that, you've got basically just below average. Blake Martinez, below average. Tremont was below average. Chandon was below average. Amos was below average. Otherwise, Darnell Savage was a 72. He was solid in coverage. Zadarius, actually, 73, which he very rarely drops in coverage. He only did it twice this week, but he apparently did his job. And number one was Jair Alexander. Wasn't really sure how he did, but very excited to see that he had a pretty good game. I thought he gave up a touchdown on one of these plays because he, I don't know, he just kind of looked guilty. But their stats for him, one target, zero receptions, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, pass breakups, etc. So to play 26 snaps in coverage, only be targeted once, and for that pass to not be caught with a 39.6 uh, passer rating when targeted, it's a good day. Um, you know, I did, uh, some of the other comments, you know, it was basically, somebody was saying, it was basically just Kittle that, that tore it up. Everybody else, you know, you look at Emmanuel Sanders, he only had one reception, trying to defend Kevin King. Who do you think gave up the one reception to Emmanuel Sanders for 15 yards? It was it was Kevin King. <laughs> then you look at George Kittle, um, he had six receptions on six targets for 129 yards. One of those receptions came from Adrian Amos for 18 yards. One of those receptions came from Chandon Sullivan for two yards. Two of those receptions came from Blake Martinez for 26 yards, and the last two receptions came on Kevin King for 83 yards. So again, every way you want to carve this up, to say it's not Kevin King's fault, you know, it was just, it was Kittle, and Kittle's a tight end, so it's probably Blake's fault. No, two receptions, 26 yards. Kevin King, two receptions, 83 yards. The other reception he gave up was a eight-yard pass to Debo Samuel. So anyways, that's about it. Obviously, it was bad, and, and I think one of the worst things is Looking forward and trying to say what what is there to be positive about, what you usually want to do is enunciate the really good players. Um, the problem is, the really good players are the ones I'm concerned about. This team is nothing without Aaron Rodgers, without Kenny Clark, without Devontae Adams. Without I mean, these are the core players. And to for having Brian Gutekunst go out and bring in Preston and Zedarius and for them to pan out this well, but we're not succeeding because. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark are just deciding, I don't feel like being good anymore. Beyond frustrating. The opportunity this team has to win a Super Bowl in the first year because of the the quality and the caliber of the players on this team, it's it's right there for the taking. We just need guys not to have the worst games of their entire career. And apparently Aaron Rodgers and, and Kenny Clark are like, meh. Which, by the way, and and look, I, I did this last time, and I don't necessarily want to go down this road of because they're in Cali and they're not focused. But Aaron Rodgers is going back home. Kenny Clark is back in Cali. Right, a lot of these guys are from there, and the 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 guys who are going back home and specifically not having good games. It's it's just you know makes you wonder a little bit. Going to visit family. Are are we are we super focused? I know the 49ers are a good team. Let's let's please let that go. The 49ers have played a lot of quarterbacks this year. None of them have played as bad as Aaron Rodgers. So let's not play this game. Well, of course he had a bad game. It the 49ers. Best defense in history. Which is not true. Not even the best defense in 2019 right now. I, I hate lame excuses. A, a not good game is fine. Worst game in your however many year career since 2007? Second worst game since 2006? Worst game since you've been a starter? Well, I mean, they got Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman. I mean, obviously. No, obviously nothing. He can't be the GOAT and also terrible anytime he goes up against a defense at the same time. Pick one. I'm sticking with GOAT. And because he's the GOAT, I expect better regardless of the defense. Pick a lane. Let me know where you're at. If he's just a guy that's good against garbage defenses, fine. Stop calling him the GOAT. I'm upset because I have high expectations because I have a high opinion of them. That's just called being consistent. Pick a lane. I'm upset with Kenny Clark because I have a high opinion of Kenny Clark. And it's frustrating because, again, the opportunity that lay in front of us. You know, all we really need is for Kenny Clark and Aaron Rodgers and these guys to just not regress, for Blake Martinez to just not regress, for Devontae to just not regress. If, If everybody could just play like they've been playing their entire careers, some longer than others. Well, not Devontae necessarily, because has been kind of shaky, but like he has the last several years. I mean, this this is one of the top teams in football. And, and you know, sometimes teams have bad games, and that's fine. I'm just saying this feels different. This doesn't just feel like, eh, you know, sometimes you did. because it, Also, because this just happened a couple weeks ago. We just had this happen against the Chargers, and it was one of those things like, okay, it happens, you know, they weren't super focused because they think they're the best, blah, blah, blah. I'm not giving you that pass this week because we just saw it happen. So you should have been prepared for it. You should have been on guard for it. And this was the most important game of the season, and you didn't show up. You don't get a pass for this one. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. I, I got, I'm just talking in circles. I'm venting. It's time to be done. Um, later this afternoon, again, we've got a This Date in History episode. And then tomorrow, hopefully, uh, we will be moving on to something much more positive because there's, there's, um, the season is not over. We still have Aaron Rodgers and, and Kenny Clark and Devontae, and these are good football players. I don't know why they haven't been playing well, but these are good football players. And if they can overcome whatever this is, and hopefully this is a really good coaching moment because Matt LaFleur can go look at this and say, okay, here's our weaknesses, here's how we overcome it. That's what needs to happen. We'll see what happens. Either way, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. Be back talking to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.